0: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam. I'm one of the associate pastors here at G2. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to paint a little picture for you this afternoon, if that's okay. I'd like you to imagine for a minute that you're not in 2019 in a kind of a cold uh, Yorkshire November evening, but you're in the year 30 AD. Can you picture that? And can you picture that instead of the dark Yorkshire night, you're instead in a lovely summer's day by the riverbanks in Galilee, in what is now the modern Israel-Jordan border. Probably, I would say, a a calm 28 degrees. So not too hot, but not too cold. Just right, I would say, 28 degrees. So picture the scene, you're by the riverbanks. You're there with your friends and your family. Maybe there are people sunbathing over there. Maybe someone's doing some fishing, going for a nice little dip in the shallow. It's a lovely day there. But then a bit further down uh, the riverbank, you see... Uh, A bit of a commotion, you hear shouting in the shallows and and you realise it's coming from a a strange looking man uh, with long and dirty matted hair and a great big beard and there's a crowd that's beginning to gather around him. You point to him and ask your friend, who's this man? Who is he? What's he doing over there? And they tell you, oh, that that guy, he lives out in the desert, Uh, he's got ragged clothes that are made out of camel hair and his diet consists of locusts and wild honey You think, oh, this is that nutter that you've heard of. I've heard of this guy. Someone at the market was telling me about him the other day. Uh, She said that her whole family uh, went down from Jerusalem into the wilderness uh, to to see this guy. She told you that this wild man was literally dunking people in the River Jordan, fully immersing them under the water. You think, that was a bit strange. It almost sounds a bit violent. Is Is this man okay? Should we be allowing him to do these things? And you wander over to get a closer look at what's going on. And you see more people coming down. You see a bunch of the local religious leaders from the synagogue hovering near this man. And then he starts shouting at them. This guy with the crazy beard and the wild hair and the camel clothes. Shouting at these prim and proper religious leaders. Telling them that they need to repent of their sins. And confess their wrongdoing just like everyone else in the water. And as you get closer, you hear even more of what this wild man is saying. You hear him talk about one who is even greater than him coming soon, one who will baptise them with the Holy Spirit, or something like that. And suddenly, the man stops mid-preach, and his jaw drops, and he looks over to the, to the further down the riverbank, and he sees someone come and speak to him. He sees a man come and say, can you baptise me? This guy looks a bit like the wild man. He's also a bit rough-looking, if you're honest. He makes his way through the crowds, chats his wild guy, greets him as a friend on first-name terms with the wild man that you now know is called John. And this new stranger asks John to baptise him. But John refuses and instead says, No, 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 you need to baptise me. You hear the man say, No, no, he must be baptised by John. And after a brief chat, the wild man John relents and dunks him just like he has been all the others. And then all heaven breaks loose. The sun suddenly shines out incredibly bright and you cover your eyes. Peeking above, you see a dove descending on this man in the water. And then, and then a voice booms out from the skies. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You're stunned. So is everyone else. Everyone stopped fishing. No children splashing around. All standing in amazement and looking at this ordinary local lad who's just had the heavens open up over him. You hear some hushed whispers from the side. Isn't that Mary Mary and Joseph's son? Someone says. I thought that was a village handyman. Someone else cries. And then someone turns to you and says, could he be that greater one to come that that John was speaking of? Is he the saviour that we've longed for? That stuns you. Yeah, that would make sense, you think, based off what that wild man was preaching. But then if this really was the Messiah and not just another very naughty boy from the local town... Why does he need to repent of his sins like all the others? Why does he need to be baptized and symbolize dying to his old ways and publicly declaring his decision to follow God? And what even is baptism, you think to yourself? And if you thought those questions, there would be some very good questions to consider. And I would like to say that the answers to those questions have massive significance for understanding why six people got dunked in that water and why they came up again. What does baptism mean for us today? What is the power and purpose of it all? Let's try and answer those questions together, shall we? So you see, just as the people in that story I told you came to see this wild man, John, to be baptised, to repent and confess of their sins, so too of the six people that we've seen get baptised today did the same thing. They've chosen to turn away from their old ways of thinking and living, doing life without God, as they put it in the video. And choosing to symbolically die to their old selves and be reborn into the family of God through baptism. So answering the question of what even is baptism? Uh, baptism is the being submerged in the water. Uh, those guys are representing death to their sin, to their rebellion. And emerging from the water uh, represents the cleanse and holy life uh, that follows salvation and knowing God. And maybe the language of sin and turning from sin doesn't really resonate with you. Maybe that's a bit religious or a bit heavy. It's not really talked about much today. Uh, But I would bet my life savings, small as they are, uh, that you've experienced some sense of shame and guilt at something that you might have thought or said or done uh, in this past week alone. Um, I'm not saying that to condemn anyone or judge anyone, but uh, we do have to admit and confront our own humanity, don't we? We mess things up. We get things wrong. We know that the world we live in isn't perfect. We know the people around us, including the person that we look at in the mirror, isn't perfect. Baptism uh, is an outward profession of the inward change that people have when they come to know God. Baptism is an act of obedience to symbolize our commitment to follow him. And let's go back to the story uh, that I told. Uh, Bible scholars among you will have realized that was a paraphrase of uh, Matthew 3. So we'll visit that together and it's going to be on the screen behind me and I'll read it out loud. Interestingly, the baptism of Jesus is held to by historians Uh, as one of the two most historically provable events in the life of Jesus, a base of eyewitness accounts and all that sort of stuff, the other being his crucifixion. And Matthew 3 puts it like this. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptised by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. Then John agreed, and when Jesus was baptised, immediately he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I do apologize that my Morgan Freeman voice is not as effective as it could be. But, but what a picture this is. Eh? What a picture this is of Jesus down by the river. of These crowds all around him. This, this dove coming from heaven. This loud booming voice. Picturing that in your head. Trying to immerse yourself in that story. It, it, it's incredible, isn't it? That incredible picture of celebration and, and, and love. Just like we've seen today. Maybe less balloons in 30 AD. But then if Jesus is the perfect and sinless saviour of the world. If he is the son of God then. Surely he doesn't need to be baptised. Jesus explains his decision to John um, as being so in order to fulfil all righteousness. And his explanation symbolises for Jesus his baptism is his big arrival. It's kind of, I think of it like a Hollywood style entrance with descending doves and booming voices. I think it's probably one pyro display short of a, a world heavyweight championship entrance for the WrestleMania main event. And his baptism uh, is the kind of inauguration, if you like, of his ministry. It's the fulfillment of all righteousness, means the fulfillment of all that God has promised to do in the Old Testament to bring about salvation and redemption to his people. Culminating with, spoiler alert, uh, Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection and triumph over death and sin. And Jesus didn't need to repent of sins that he hadn't committed or to be cleansed from unrighteousness, or even to put, on, put off the old self and embrace the new. There was no need for this. Yet Jesus was baptised in order to choose to identify with the people that he came to save. Both back in 30 AD and both for us now. His baptism was him choosing to identify with his people. The people that he knew might reject him. The people that might be waiting in darkness and blind to their own sin. And yet in choosing to be baptised in acts of perfect obedience to fulfil all righteousness, Jesus made a way for all of us. To follow, We read in 2 Corinthians 5.21, later in the, in the Bible, that for our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knows what's at stake. He chooses to signify hope to all to come after, that there is hope for all of us in spite of what we've been through. And I, what I love in, in this telling of Jesus' story, of telling of his baptism, I love the, the picture of the heavens opening up of the Spirit of God descending like a dove and the voice of the Father in heaven declaring, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And just as Jesus' decision to be baptized signifies his identification with us, we also get to identify with this heavenly declaration as we become the righteousness of God. Through Jesus, we too can be defined by who our Father is. We too can have that truth declared over us. I am loved, I'm a child of God, and he's pleased with me. As each of the six uh, guys came up out the water today, that's what heaven declares over them. Martin, the message of your father in heaven today is: "This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased." Liam, the message of your father in heaven today is: "This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased." Holly, the message of your father in heaven today is: "This is my beloved daughter, with whom I am well pleased." Shirea, the message of your father in heaven today is: "This is my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased." Anna, the message of your Father in heaven today is this is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. Where's Emily? Emily. Uh, Emily, the message of your Father in heaven today is this is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. And this truth that has been declared over these guys and was declared over Jesus in the moment of his baptism, uh, we all get to participate in that. And it isn't possible uh, just because there's something magical in that water or because the six of these guys prayed extra hard this week. It's possible because of Jesus choosing to take on our sins and our sorrows, bearing our burdens and suffering for us, identifying with us in our weakness and our humanity, that we may know true purpose, life and salvation through his grace. And you might think to yourself, but in that baptism story, in that moment that you read out, Adam, everything's hunky-dory. There's a dove coming down from heaven. There's a a booming father voice giving him affirmation. All his friends are there. It's great. What's wrong with that? There's no suffering there. That doesn't look like my life. That doesn't look like my reality. Everything's great. Where's the suffering in in that? Where's the reality of life in that? Let's read on a bit, shall we, into the book of Matthew. Again, it'll be on the screen behind me. Immediately after Jesus was baptised, the Bible tells us that he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Shock. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him hopefully bringing him some macchides. So immediately after his baptism, Jesus endures these temptations. He faces 40 days in the wilderness. Uh, these 40 days were symbolic of the 40 years uh, faced by the Jews in the Sinai Desert, uh, as described early in the Bible in the Old Testament. And also, uh, 40 days is also the, uh, believed by um, scientists to be the absolute limit of how long a human can uh, face without permanent bodily harm. So the absolute limit of not eating food without facing bodily permanent damage to ourselves, 40 days. And Jesus is tempted by the devil to turn stones into bread to miraculously survive a giant fall and even to become king of all the world if only he would turn away from God and worship Satan. Immediately after Jesus receives the public affirmation of his father that he is loved, he is a child, he's his child and God is pleased with him, Satan then tempts him to doubt and deny all three of those truths. And in a place of absolute suffering and at the absolute limit of his physical strength, Satan, the great deceiver and liar, seeks to undermine and disqualify the Son of God through questioning his ability, his authority, and most of all, his identity. And in all three of these temptations, Jesus responds with rebuttals from the, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, one of, the book that's, one of the books that details the 40 years in the wilderness faced by Israel. Even in a place of absolute suffering and temptation, Jesus chooses to identify once more with the people he came to save. And he stands firm on the word of God. He shows us a game plan to overcoming the trial of the world. He shows the importance of his identity being securely rooted in God as his child. He knows the story of God. He knows the message of God. He knows the plans that God has for his life and is able to stand firm in that. His identity is crucial to overcoming this temptation from the devil. And you know what? I wish I could turn around and say to these six guys that have been baptised today that now they've been baptised, there's going to be no more trials, temptations, troubles, frustrations, struggles or pain. But I'm afraid I can't. Life still happens, doesn't it? The world still keeps spinning and the pain of the reality around us still exists. But the example for us of Jesus in his baptism, calling us into his family and his temptation where he shares with us in his suffering and pain shows us how we can endure all that the world has to throw at us, knowing that we are children of God, loved by him, and in whom he is well pleased. Martin, Sherea, Anna, Holly, Emily, and Liam, I can't promise you a life without pain, suffering, or temptation, but I can promise you that your decision today to be baptized into this family of God, to mark yourself out as a child of his, deeply loved and fully affirmed by him, is the best decision that you will ever make. In the book of Hebrews, we read of Jesus as being one himself, one who himself has suffered when tempted. So he's able to help those who are being tempted. And he's one who who can sympathize with our weaknesses, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to abide in the cool waters. And he knows what it's like to endure the barren wilderness. He knows the acclamation of the huge crowds and he knows the, the isolation of intense loneliness. He knows the voice of the father calling him beloved son and he knows the hiss of Satan the tempter that questions his God-given authority and identity. He knows the anointing waters of baptism and he knows the painful fires of temptation. Jesus knows the heavens opened and he also knows hell unleashed. You see, Christianity isn't just a comfort blanket, as the legendary broadcaster, as Stephen Fry once said. It isn't just a nice warm mug of hot chocolate on a wintry night like tonight. It isn't just good for you and not for me. It is everything. It is enduring the pain and darkness of the wilderness that causes us to question everything about ourselves and our identity. And it is the deep and permanent affirmation of those moments in the river that truly remind us of who we are and whose we are. And for these guys uh, being baptized today, for for their decision to to become a Christian, to to publicly declare that in their baptism, that's all about for them is joining the family of God, joining in with the 2.3 billion people across this world who have encountered that for themselves. Walking with Jesus, following his example and knowing he's faced every suffering and temptation means that we can draw comfort and strength from the truth that we're loved, we're his children and he's pleased with us. Tomorrow morning, we can walk into our dreary seminar rooms, our gloomy offices, our 4am crying wake-up calls from the kids' room next door, and we can somehow know that in the midst of all that, the truth of it, each and every single one of us, is that we are loved, we are his children, and he is pleased with us. We can enjoy the deep satisfaction of promotion, the joy of a child's first steps, the success of a first and that impossible assignment, and we can remember that even then, we are loved, we are children of God, and he is pleased with us. We can endure the panic of financial stress as a bank account is overdrawn for yet another month. And we can enjoy the buzz of a bumper Christmas bonus. But knowing that whatever happens, we are loved, we are children of God, and he is pleased with us. And the invitation for all of us here today uh, is to know more of what it means to be in the family of God. For some of us, that, that may mean that we, we feel a call cool to show up more for this family. Maybe we need to commit deeper to this community, to reach out to people, perhaps in a conversation today after the service or a message in the week. It could be today that this baptism celebration is something that you yourself want to fully experience, like Sarah said, to participate in yourself. Then you too today can find out more about being baptized into this family of God. Maybe you've known him for ages. Maybe you've put it off and waited for the right moment or the right time. But something today is stirring within you. And perhaps you've not been at church in ages or maybe you've never even been before but you want in. That's totally fine. In the Bible, uh, many people decided to get baptised within minutes of choosing to put their hope and trust in God and following Jesus as Saviour. And for all of us uh, as a family here today, uh, I'd like to encourage you, I uh, challenge you to commit this week to praying for these six guys who have been baptised. Because just like Jesus endured his temptation in the wilderness after his baptism in the river, there will be struggle for these guys this week. They will feel oppression, attack, discouragement, um, because the devil's going to go for them. After their moment of affirmation and celebration in that pool, the devil's really going to go for them. So let's see people that pray. Let's see people that stand with them as family and get alongside them. When the trials and troubles come, we as a church want to be people that are there for those in trouble. We want to remind people of the celebration of the river and the eternal declaration of heaven over them. If you want to find out more about baptism, please do come and chat to Christian, like, they, like the guy said earlier. And there will be people stood at the back of the room who are also really willing to pray for you about any of the stuff that is stirring at you today. Maybe it's about being baptized, knowing more the family of God. You've got plenty of space to do that in the next few minutes. But uh, before we do that, let's stand all together, shall we? And like I said, you're welcome to chat to Christian. You're welcome to pray people at the back. Uh, the rest of us, we will join uh, together in, in, in song worship. And we're going to sing songs that um, anchor us together as a community whose identity is in knowing God, in being loved by him, in being his children in whom he is well pleased. The truth of our God-given identity as sons and daughters. And God, I thank you that this baptism day, this celebration of incredible joy and love and peace, Is one that you've walked out. It's one that you've lived before us. It's one that you've shown us the way to go. And Jesus, I thank you that in the same breath, you know what it is to suffer. You know what it is to face temptation and difficulty and reality of life. And Jesus, as we sing these songs, we don't just want to be uh, looking at a screen and doing this like I've done it a million times before, or doing it with emptiness. God, we want to declare these truths as a higher reality, as a higher expectation of the life around us. God, that we will know you, that we will fully experience your love, fully experience your deep affirmation in every season and situation in our lives.